Welcome to the SBS podcast sponsored by Zwift. It was famously used by Matt Heyman to prepare for his victory at Paris-Roubaix. You can use it too for your own goals. Visit Zwift.com to learn how to join the digital peloton today. And they're starting to come from behind. It's Mohoric who's doing the lead out in the red colours. Debursa is on the fronts. He's still waiting. Now comes Merku, followed by Richezzi through the roundabout. Viviani is in third. Then it is Sagan. Sagan gets Viviani's wheel. Caleb Ewan's been shuffled back. He's going to need a good run. And then it is Christoph in white who's fighting. He goes the hip and shoulder with Grunewagen. Richezzi now starts. The check across the shoulder. Caleb Ewan opens up. He gets balked by Richezzi. Viviani versus Ewan. It's Caleb. He collects his second. Oh, yes, it's all right. Bonjour, 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 and welcome to the Zwift Cycling Central podcast. Before we start, let me remind you that you can download, stream, or subscribe to our website, sbs.com.au slash tdf, or by scheduling a ride with our friends at Zwift. Joining me is a very excited, and he can be excited because Caleb, you won one, his second stage. It's Dave McKenzie. Dave, are you pumped? Uh, I am totally pumped, and you know what? I'm going to be really honest because as I was standing with Tomo, getting ready to do our live cross post sprint and we are watching it unfold with about 700 meters 600 meters to go he got sort of shuffled back to seventh wheel and i've said to tomo he can't win he can't win from here he can't win from here and tomo to his credit is saying he's going to win it he's going to win it and i'm going ah oh, tomo's wrong again here we go tomo's the fanboy <laughs> tomo's the fanboy he was right and i'm glad i was wrong and look what caleb did really well and what he he did it He's got the confidence up, you know, after his first victory. And prior to his first win, when I was reanalyzing those sprint sort of losses or second and third places that he was getting, I said, geez, just he's a fraction of a second out from jumping. He's sort of hesitating just by a little bit. And he didn't hesitate at all today. And he jumped first. He had to from seventh wheel. But when you've won already, you've just got that confidence to do that. And incidentally, Michael Matthews was on his wheel as he jumped. When you look back at the vision, and Michael's a pretty handy sprinter, not so much in the flat sprints, he basically rode Michael off the wheel. And Michael had a great result for him, really. It was sixth place on a flat stage, but King Caleb, doesn't it, it sound good? Absolutely, and he was such a long sprint as well. Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, look, it's hard to say, maybe 200 metres. I mean, the, years ago, 200 metres wasn't long. Uh, now it is because they're flicking off their, their lead-out man, you know, at 65 kilometres an hour, 100 metres from the line. But, uh, you know, Caleb, he, it was a longish sort of a sprint. And I think it was, I'm not sure, but I think it was a headwind sprint. But probably to his benefit, he's so much lower than any of the other sprinters. So he's a bit more aerodynamic uh, to the are, line. Are you putting him shot? I didn't say that at all. You did. <laughs> <laughs> now, such a great pleasure to, to see this. Uh, Temperature as well. It was very, very hot. Is that more of his advantage because he's Australian or not? Well, he, look, he comes from um, New South Wales, I think inland, uh, or Barrel, Barrel he comes from, so a bit of a hot part of the world. So, no, nah, look, not really. I would think all, all professional riders, they're all used to the heat. They've raced in the heat, you know, at various places throughout the season. You know, they race in the UAE at the start of the year, two down under. and So, no, not really. I mean, he said he felt terrible at the start of the stage, but I'd imagine all of the riders would have after a rest day, just getting the legs going again and the, that real sapping sort of heat. I mean, I think it topped about 37 degrees. So on the road, it would have been, you know, in the 40s. Um, but, 
he's just done it, hasn't he? Two stage wins, and now for him, it's about surviving the next four or five days. Absolutely, uh, Michael Matthews just can't do it this year. He just doesn't have this 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 last few meters. No, he doesn't. And look, he was he was actually meant to be uh, leading at Case Bowl. His um, his teammate. And uh, which he wasn't too happy about, and then Case Bowl crashed. So suddenly he was called up uh, to to go for it, and he did. But he had no sort of teammates helping. And look, he doesn't probably wheel surf as much as as good as Caleb. Someone like Caleb does. I mean, Caleb's a real um, you know feisty sort of sprinter, and he's really hungry. Whereas Michael is probably better at having his teammates there doing the job for him. Um, and he was just that top end speed. Michael's better if the road goes uphill. So look. He should hold his head high, actually, after today's sprint. I thought he did accounted for himself well, and he actually got himself in a good position. Um, but when you've got guys that are quicker than you, there's not much you can do. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, what lessons can we uh, uh, understand from this stage uh, in terms of the, uh, the sprinters? Are we likely to see few sprinters now not start tomorrow? just because it's too hard or the attraction the attraction of the Champs-Élysées will make it worthwhile to go through the next three or four stages sprinters will definitely start tomorrow because it's not a mountainous day it's it's a couple of climbs but nothing too serious and they'll start every day unless they get sick because they all want to make it to the Champs-Élysées um, but I think the other things that we take out of today's I think Dylan Gronewagen and, and Carla Bjorn are the two fastest men in the race Ilya Viviani he's very quick on his day but he has been doing a fair bit of work actually he's a superstar by the way because they've got the yellow jersey to protect so he'll take a back seat now in fact he will be doing a mountain of work for his uh, for his teammate in Alaphilippe and of course G had a had almost of a inverted comma stupid crash at some point I mean no, no crashes are stupid but uh, it's another one for G there's another kink in the armour don't you think he's just not flowing as it was before for them this year No, when you're winning, you seem to dodge the crashes. You seem to, you know, make the right split. And they've done a lot right, Ineos, but that's two crashes now for G. So, and he, he hit the deck pretty hard. It was on a right-hand turn. Look, he was probably going... 35, 40 kilometres an hour. That's quick enough. So, And the temperature of the, of the ground, very hot as well. Yeah, so he, he'll have done a bit of damage and he'll, he'll be a bit sore and bruised tomorrow. So that, look, it doesn't, no matter what, no matter the fact that he got up and finished the stage and he was okay, it still knocks you around. Um, but the other mention too, and it was in the same crash as Case Bowl, Jakob Fulsung, out of the race. That is major. Yeah, that is major. And I actually really feel for him because... He's been good at the Tour in the past. He's a really consistent rider, but he's never sort of been, you know, the highest he could probably ever hope for was fifth or sixth. He's had, that's his second crash. He crashed uh, in Belgium when the race started. Remember, he won the Croatum de Dauphiné. He won Liège-Bastogne-Liège. So it's probably the best chance Jakob Fulsang has ever had to, to really compete uh, for a podium spot. And now it's over, you know, because of a, a silly crash. So it's a, it's a real shame that he's out of the race. In terms of Ineos, um, where do they go from now? Because uh, this is for them to win. We, we said it before, G and Bernal are the only team with two leaders in the top five. Um, what could be the strategy from now? It's a good question, and I just wonder what Ineos will do. Um, I, think, I think at some point, when it comes to crunch, I think... I think they'll try and follow wheels because I don't, at the moment, what we've seen so far at least, if we base it on what we've seen, 
they're not flying. They're not the strongest on the climbs. They're going really well, but they're not the strongest. Tibor Pino has been the best. He won on the Tourmalet, and then he attacked two days ago and took more time. So he's proven at the moment he's probably the strongest. Then you've got Stephen Kruzvike, who looks good as well. Garrett Thomas bounced back, but so did Egan Bernal. So I would think at some point they'll, they'll attack, and it, it'll probably be Egan Bernal. If it gets to the point where they say, gee, if we don't attack now... We can't win the race. You know, we have to launch. And I think they'll send Egan Bernal on the attack first just to see what happens. They've got a two-pronged attack. They'd be silly, you know, coming down to the last couple of mountain stages if all they do is follow. You've got to, you've got to utilise your two men. Do you know we're talking about uh, Inos being so prepared for anything, so uh, perfect in, in every way? Do you think they had this strategy laid out weeks ago? if in case that tour was shaping this way, or is that all new for them as well? Being three, four, five days from the end of the race and not controlling probably the way they had in the, in the, in the years gone by. Well, yeah, look, they would have thought about all scenarios. Including this one? Yeah, I think so. They, look, they quite possibly thought they were going to have, their team was going to be stronger in terms of being able to control a peloton. They haven't had that team. And it just, again, it just highlights... The, uh, the how good Chris Froome is. And I'm talking about not just how good he is on the bike, we all know that, but I'm talking about what he can command from his teammates and the confidence that he gives his teammates. And again, I'm not saying they're lacking confidence, but when you lose a leader like Chris Froome, it's got to dent your morale somewhat. So, uh, look, and Garen Thomas, I think, is a great leader as well, but they'll be, they'll be planning their scenarios, but it's uncharted territory for them, isn't it? We know that, and they know that. So... You know, when, you, when you're in uncharted territory and you haven't had a test run, you're not sure what if you're going to make the right decision. So there will be that little bit of doubt, I think, in their minds with, with their decision-making. And the director sport ifs, there's a little bit of pressure on them. If they are, in fact, calling the shots back in the car, they'll be feeling that pressure even more because, they, because they're not controlling the front of Peloton, because they're not uh, leading the race, and because they've got some other challenges other than Julian Alaphilippe who can take the crown. You're the first one to mention Juliana Philippe on this podcast. I've tried to uh, refrain <laughs> from doing it too much, uh, but uh, because it's an Aussie win anyway. Uh, actually, before we talk about Juliana Philippe, let's listen to uh, King Caleb. Caleb, is your second ever victory at the Tour de France a sweet or sweeter than the first? Um, no, I, to be honest, I think the first one always feels the best, but this one was extra special today because I have my, uh, my daughter and my wife here had the finish waiting for me, so um, yeah, I'm so happy I could win for them and I really needed that motivation today because I was really struggling out there with the heat and um, you know, halfway through the race I was almost going to tell my, my teammate to come off the front because I was really I was suffering so much. But yeah, I think once the adrenaline kicked in for the final, you know, I, I had my eye on the prize and uh, yeah, luckily my legs were good in the end. Was everything executed perfect, perfectly today by the team and yourself? You look like you timed your efforts throughout the stage well. Um, yeah, I think... Uh, ideally we would have been a little bit further back with the headwind coming into the finish but yeah we weren't and they adapted to the situation so well um, you know, Dylan was on uh, Jasper's wheel he did a, you know, such a strong pull and then Quickstep came past with 500 metres to go but I, uh, I already played the scenarios in my head because I, f- I, watched this at the, uh, I looked at the finish at the start of the day and I played the scenario of if I was too far back like I was today what would I have done and uh, I just laid off the wheel through that roundabout and I just went full gas at the wheel and luckily it was uh, enough speed to come round. It's 37 degrees here, I imagine it was a lot hotter on the road. Uh, are you thinking in that final 100 metres or is it all just instinct? 
Um, no, it was a lot of instinct. I, I, like I said, I thought about it, the scenario today, if I was too far back in that roundabout, and uh, lucky I did because it happened, and, and I played it exactly the way I thought I would, and yeah, it worked. What's it mean to you to have another stage victory in a bag, particularly given we waited so long to see you here? Um, yeah, it means a lot, and I think uh, in a way it proves that I, I, I could have been here already, and um, but yeah, you know, I'm just I'm so happy I could win so uh, two on, on my uh, debut. Congratulations, go see the family. Cheers, thanks. King Caleb, that resonates very well. I think we can call him King Caleb now. Ah, uh, completely, absolutely. He's uh, no, it was just fantastic to revisit it. It was, you know, I think I think we all knew before his first stage when he was knocking on the door, he was the best of the rest. Uh, he hadn't won, but he was finishing second, third, and consistently. So it was. I think I think I was confident quietly confident that he was going to get one I didn't want to voice it publicly not because you don't mind being wrong but you don't want to put that sort of more pressure on on Caleb Ewan in the press I think he's had enough as it is and we all knew his win was going to come whether this year next year he was going to get one no doubt but now bang just like that two wins he's proving he's the best sprinter in the race so far and so far as well on this tour we can say Sodal Luto Jumbo Visma the Kinnick Quickstep are the real teams that are benefiting from, from this tour. They're, they're having a cracking tour. They are. Yeah, they are. They are. They really are. And, um, you know, Jumbo Visma kicked it off, didn't they, well, winning the first two stages. And then Viviani got his sprint stage, Gronavagen. Remember, Gronavagen crashed as well. So uh, it was on stage one, in fact. So they've, they've had some adversity as well. And, and that's how you... It's how you deal with that adversity. Uh, and then Mitchell and Scott, we, I think we should mention, not sprint stages, but three stage wins. They've been one of the most successful teams in the race. Take out the general classification side of it. They've actually been one of the most successful. And I dare say, I think they're going to get another win before the race is done. And it possibly could be Yates or Jack Haig. Where? Well, it'll be in the mountains. It has to be. Um, those two will, will go on the attack. And look, I don't think, I think Adam, you know, it's it's a shame for him because he came here with GC aspirations, but it's crazy how, you know, all the science that goes into your training, uh, he didn't ride the Giro, Simon did. Simon's lost an hour, by the way, so he has come into it a lot fresher. But gee, it's funny how, you know, the, the twist of turns of um, how your, your tour ends up, you think you've done everything right and sometimes it just doesn't come together. Do you think Robbie is going, okay, 10 to go? <laughs> we need to we need to find him we'll get him on the pod again actually that would be great maybe tomorrow we will and uh yeah because remember his voice when he said yeah he's got one but he's got 11 to go so now he's like yeah he's got two he's got 10 to go yeah well, that's right and for those of you listeners who haven't listened to that pod go back to uh caleb's first win because i gave robbie a little bit of cheek and he doesn't mind we go back a long way and i said oh i think your 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 things are, your, your your record is under threat of 12 stage wins and he goes yeah look it's under threat he's got 11 to go being the cheeky man that he is but he might just be a little bit more nervous now <laughs> we'll see okay let's look at the stage coming up tonight on sbs and therefore tomorrow for us uh, pont du gard to gap gap city you know very well my character. the tour comes there relatively often it does i, I love gap but because it's it's sort of right at the base. It's a gateway to the Alps, isn't it? And it, it sort of excites me. You just know it's there. You, you can see them. You can almost smell the Alps. Yeah, and, and Gap for me was, uh, was one of those towns. I don't know if you'll, you'll sort of resonate with this, but being an Australian and, and you know, growing up watching the Tour de France, you'd hear all these sort of funny names and it'd be like, wow, Gap. That sounds funny, like mine, the Gap. Yeah. Gap, but it's a town name and, and Phil Liggett would be blurting it out. 
And so I fell in love with these towns, but I knew nothing about them. And I just remember seeing Gap over the years in the Tour de France in the 80s and 90s especially. So it's going to be exciting. 200-kilometre stage, as you pointed out, two climbs, but the first one is a Category 4, and it's a real gradual climb. You know, it goes up for a long time, but effectively it's only sort of classified as 2.3 kilometres at 6%. Uh, that's just the last little bit, but it does climb up from about, well, 180-odd metres to 800 metres over the course of about 30 kilometres. Then, the last climb of the day, 5.2 kilometres at 5.4%. It's only a Category 3, but the tricky part of it is it comes, it tops out at 9 kilometres from the finish. Like, tell me there's not going to be some attacks from the general classification riders. I truly believe there will be. There'll be guys looking for something. And the, the funny thing with it is, it actually suits Julian Alaphilippe perfectly, doesn't it? It's a little bit like the, the day into Epinay, but it's even closer to the finish. I don't think he'll attack, though, in the yellow. I, you know, he could actually gain some time. He's, we know he's brilliant at descending. So it'll be interesting to see what unfolds there. Will he risk trying to gain 30, 40 seconds on his rivals, or will he sit back? This is where we're going to see if he's riding with his heart or with his head. Yeah, I hope he rides with his head because, you know, as much as I think the riding's on the wall a bit, but if he has got a chance of winning this race, he needs to ride really conservatively now. And look, he potentially can still do it. This is where you're not French. Because if he's French, he's riding with his heart (laughs) between his teeth. Do you want him to ride with his heart? I want him to ride with his heart. I want him to set fire to this. And then if he wins, so be it. If he loses, so be it. I like that. I like what you're saying. But again, he, he paid back some tax two days ago of all the energy that he'd burnt, you know, in the first two weeks. And that's fair enough. You have to. So that was bluff. It was bluff. That was bluff. <laughs> oh, mate. Now, you, now you, I don't know. You're digging a trench for yourself and I'm getting out of the trench and I'm going to let you keep digging it on your own. But look, it's going to be an exciting stage and I'm predicting a breakaway to win the day. But then I'm predicting some fireworks from the GC guys on that last climb. Okay, and then in quid of the uh, the yellow jersey, uh, I've got the guys in your house coming in to uh, do the kitchen. Should they wait a little bit more? Well, that is up to you, my friend, because I'm pretty confident Alaphilippe is not going to win, all right? And again, for our listeners thinking, what are, what are they talking about? We had a bet. I said, I'll bet my house that Julian Alaphilippe won't win the race. Is that right? It is. Uh, now I'm starting to not remember that I said that. I I've got you, the on audio. It's yeah. on audio. It's there. The listeners know it's there. You know, it's there. Okay. If you need me to put it out, I can. So if you want to, if you want to start renovating my house still, <laughs> go for it. But remember, when, when he doesn't win, you'll have to change all that. And I'll be, I'll be charging you the bill of ripping down that, that cheap, nasty um, wallpaper that you put up. <laughs> That's where I migrate to Romania or something. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, thank you, Michael, for joining us again. And then uh, I'm looking forward to this stage uh, tonight on SBS. Uh, and of course, uh, it's going to be uh, very exciting. Uh, one thing we need to mention, the Skoda First Gear happening in uh, Melbourne this time. Uh, it was a magnificent Magnifique, uh, magnificent event uh, run in Sydney. Big success. So if you guys are in St Kilda, check it out. It's on the, uh, the SBS Cycling Central w- website. Getting kids on the bike, always positive. It is, it is always positive. It'll be a great day. And look, it was actually meant to be just before we left, but it got... You were, you were actually in there normally. Yeah, I would have been there. So it got... Uh, typically Melbourne, the weather was <laughs> played its part, then we couldn't do it. <laughs> it did. It played its part. So it's good it's happening and make sure you get down there, get your kids down there. And, you know, you'll just get the Tour de France bug as well. That's, that's all part of it. So it should be a fun day. Absolutely. Thank you, Maka. Thank you. And this is it for the uh, Zwift Cycling Central podcast. Let me remind you that you can uh, download, uh, subscribe or stream our, our podcast on our website 
sbs.com.au slash tdf or schedule a rise with your friends at Zwift. Until the next podcast, it's bye for now. A quick shout out from our sponsor before we go. If you're looking for a new way to ride without traffic or punches getting in your way, hop on Zwift. We use it. Your cycling buddies probably use it. And the pros, they definitely use it. Zwift turned indoor training into a full-on gaming experience. Connect your PC, Mac or Apple device and you'll pedal with thousands of cyclists around the world. And there's a good chance you'll see a pro on there too. Loads of them are on Zwift on their rest days riding around Wattopia. Give them a ride on if you see them. If you've got a trainer, start your free trial on Zwift.com.